welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Welcome back to episode 160 of Wellness Your Way and happy holidays. I feel like it's finally the appropriate time to say that as we are just one week away from Thanksgiving week, which absolutely blows my mind, but in a great way. And if you're thinking, oh, I'm not ready to think about the holidays yet, come back to me because now is your time to strategize for your health. It's too late once we get to Thanksgiving dinner to think about all the things that we could do to make ourselves feel great while still enjoying the things that are important to us, of course. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through nine of my favorite strategies to help you truly enjoy the things that are important to you. If you love grandma's stuffing or the sweet potato casserole that you make or the pumpkin pie, or whatever else it is, I so want you to have that and enjoy it and not feel guilty about it. And I also don't want this to be the beginning of the unraveling until January 1st when you look back and feel like, oh, I wish I had just paid a little more attention to my health because I don't feel great now. I don't want that for you. I want you to get to January 1st and enjoy that extra burst of motivation that we all get in January. That's amazing. But I want you to just be able to keep going with what you're doing. This big start and stop and have a big reset on January 1st, that is not a sustainable long-term strategy. So use the motivation. That's fine. But let's focus on our health now and every day and let's strive for balance and not deprivation or throwing in the towel so that we never need that big restart. That is what we're going to get into today. And I'm so excited to strategize with you. Before we get there, though, we're going to talk about in health news, you can use some snacks that might increase your cardiovascular disease risk and some meal additions that might decrease your cardiovascular disease, cancer, and all-cause mortality risk. And one more note for those of you who have already sent in testimonials for my Thanksgiving thank you campaign, thank you. It just means the world to me to see the successes that you all have been able to create for yourselves. And I love celebrating you and following along with all the wonderful things that you're doing. And thank you for taking the time to write in that testimonial that I can share with others. For those who have missed it, I'll play the little blurb at the end of this episode, but I would love to donate $5 for every one of you who just writes one sentence in about a success that you've experienced for your health or something that you've learned or anything positive that you want to share. I'll donate to a charity of your choice and you can go to bit.ly slash lions. Thank you. That's all lowercase L-Y-O-N-S. Thank you. Or you can find that link in the show notes. All right, let's go ahead and dive in. 
For health news you can use, I want to talk about a study published by the American Heart Association in actually 2021, so a couple of years ago now, but I just stumbled across it and I thought it was really interesting. It used the data from the NHANES survey and it used 21,503 people's data. It is observational data and it includes dietary recall. So they ask people what they ate in the past and we know that's not super accurate. Uh, People don't even remember what they ate this morning. So asking them to remember what they ate last week is really, really tough. And that's an admitted flaw in this type of research, but it's still interesting. So we're going to discuss it today. Now, what the researchers of this study did was they studied different components of various meals, and they correlated these components with the incidence of cancer, cardiovascular disease, and all-cause mortality. And unsurprisingly, they found that the meals that contained fruit or vegetables were associated with decreased mortality risk of cancer, cardiovascular disease, and all-cause mortality. Versus what they deemed a Western style lunch that was associated with increased mortality risks, specifically from cardiovascular disease and all cause mortality. And then for snacks, they found that snack patterns of having fruit after breakfast. So if you were going to have a snack between breakfast and lunch, choosing a snack that included fruit actually decreased your mortality risk for all three of those cancer, cardiovascular disease, and all cause mortality. And a starchy snack after meals was associated with elevated mortality risk. So having a fruit as a snack or as part of a snack helped your outcomes. Having a starchy snack, which we'll talk about in a second, decreased your outcomes. Let's unpack some of these things. So first, the most unsurprising is the veggies. Um, The including a veggie at dinner in particular, but at any meal, did improve the health outcomes of people. So if you're if this is not your first podcast episode of Wellness Your Way, I'm sure you would have guessed this and you would have we would have guessed correctly. Now, one interesting twist on this is that the association between having a vegetable at dinner and mortality outcomes was independent of any other dietary risk factor. So even if they took people on a low quality standard American diet for the whole entire day, and then just added a vegetable at dinner, still having a standard American diet, it still decreased your risk. It was independent of breakfast skipping. So whether people ate breakfast or not, if they just had that vegetable at dinner, they decreased their risk of all of these things. And so now you're thinking, yes, this is what we've heard over and over and over, at least on Wellness Your Way. I always say breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It just doesn't matter if you eat it at 6 a.m. or 2 p.m., right? We're looking for blood sugar stability in that meal, but it really doesn't matter for most people whether you're having that breakfast early on. There are some intricacies, of course, for some people who I would encourage them if they're experiencing some metabolism slowdown, hormone imbalance, things like that. I want them to be eating a breakfast, but let's just say for the sake of these things, the cardiovascular disease, cancer, and all-cause mortality, 
the vegetable at dinner was the important thing. Just focus on that and don't stress about all the other intricacies. Now, another unsurprising thing is that the Western lunch, they characterized a Western lunch as having high intakes of refined grain, which is like white bread, high intakes of cheese and high intakes of cured meat or red meat at lunch. So let's just consider your average ham and cheese sandwich, we check all the boxes here. That is a Western style lunch for the purpose of this study. The white bread, the cheese, the ham, something like that. That was associated with elevated cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality. Now they found the Western lunch, even if it wasn't that traditional ham sandwich, it typically contained higher energy, which is high calories, high total fat, and low quality carbohydrates. Remember, carbs are not bad. Celery is a carb, broccoli is a carb, kale is a carb, but the low quality carbohydrates are generally uh, not what we're looking for when we're looking to improve our longevity. They found that part of this reason why the Western lunch was correlated with these health risks was that people who had this high high carbohydrate of low quality carbohydrates meal at lunch, they were drowsier and sleepier later in the day. And then they often turn to more caffeine, more sugar, something like that. All right, two more things to unpack. One, the starchy snacks as uh, snacks in between meals. They usually, when they asked people what they were snacking on, they were usually fried potato crisps. We would call those chips here in the US. This was data from all over. And they found that when people were eating chips in between meals, they actually had intake in similar calories from the chips than from a main meal. So you think oh, I'm just going to grab some chips as a snack, but then you end up eating as many calories from chips as you did at your lunch, and that kind of throws off your nutrient balance. And then the very last thing I'll talk about here is that dairy was actually controversial in the study. So we've talked about so many different times how dairy can be a super healthy food for some people. Dairy can be super inflammatory for some people, and really it comes down to your genetics, what's going on with your gut, how your immune system and autoimmune reactions are um, happening in your body, your genetics, if I didn't already say that, all kinds of different things impact our ability to do well or not to do well with dairy. But in this case, in this study, what they found was kind of interesting to me. They found that higher intake of dairy products after dinner decreased mortality risk. So that's good. It was good in this study to have dairy products after dinner, which is puzzling to me because I'm thinking, what dairy do people eat after dinner? Ice cream. How can that possibly lead to lower uh, all-cause mortality? But did in this study. And having dairy products after lunch was not. Dairy products after lunch had negative impact on your mortality. So honestly, when I see something like this, I'm like, we can't we can't read into it too much either way. And this is not enough. We know that dairy reacts so different differently for different people. So I'm just scratching off from my mind the results of dairy in this particular study. They did comment that the they thought the benefit was found based on older people who generally are not consuming enough protein, as we talked about last week on the podcast. 
that they had, when they had dairy after dinner, they had improved sleep quality, which of course leads to better health outcomes. So they found most of the benefit came from this older population when they were having dairy after dinner. Again, I'm not reading into the dairy part of this study. I think uh, that remains TBD. But what we know from this study and from, you know, prior knowledge before this is that more veggies with meals are better. If you're going to snack, it's better to snack on something, including fruit, as opposed to starchy chips. And just do your best to stay away from traditional Western lunches. I will put the link to this study in the show notes if you want to check it out. All right, my friends, believe it or not, the holiday season is upon us, and that is our topic for the Veggies of the Matter today. I personally am so excited for the festivity and the family time and the reflections and the gratitude, the joy and the warmth, everything that comes with the holiday season, including the delicious holiday treats. The holidays are really a time to celebrate with family and friends, and that does often involve indulging in some festive foods that might not seem to align with your health and wellness goals. But today, I want to help you reconsider that thought that we naturally have of these are bad foods, or I should stay away from those foods. I hate those words, bad and should, as it relates to food. I want to just help you reconsider your strategy, because an all-or-nothing strategy does not help us around the holidays, or really, I would argue it does not help us ever, but especially around the holidays. I'll bet you can imagine what it would be like to just eat every single holiday item that comes your way between now and January 1st. If there's a cookie there, you eat it. If there's pie there, you eat it. If there's whatever else there, you eat it. And you could probably imagine how you'd feel physically after all of that. Not great. Now, I'll bet you can imagine on the other side what it would be like to really restrict and white knuckle and not eat anything special over the holidays. And I'll bet you can imagine how you'd feel emotionally after that. And again, not great. But can you imagine what it would feel like to strike that balance between there? To really focus on prioritizing your health and doing the things that make you feel great on a daily basis and giving yourself permission to mindfully enjoy some holiday treats in moderation? If you can't imagine that, which tends to be harder for many people, I'm going to help you imagine that today. And then I'll help you commit to it at the end of this episode. I would argue that it's perfectly okay to enjoy some holiday treats that are truly special to you, and also that it's essential to strike that balance that allows you to really savor those flavors of the season without completely derailing your health goals. Your health is still important in November and December. So today, we're going to go through nine science-backed strategies to help you navigate this holiday season while still maintaining your commitment to health and wellness. And strategy number one is to set realistic expectations. We do that now. Before diving into the holiday season officially, it's really important to set realistic expectations for ourselves. So many of my clients just think they're going to forget about it between now and January and recommit in January, and then they look back and wish they had a strategy. So that's what we're doing today. 
I want you to understand that this time of year does come with special occasions and treats that we might not encounter daily, and that's okay. So instead of aiming for perfection, let's focus on moderation and balance. Now may not be the time to lose 10 pounds this month, and that's okay. But can you aim to get to January 1st feeling amazing? Yes, you can. So strategy number two is to prioritize mindful eating. This is one of the keys to really enjoying our holiday treats without overindulging is to practice that mindful eating, to slow down, to savor every bite of the food you're enjoying, and to really pay attention to how the food tastes and how it makes you feel. This can really help us recognize when we're satisfied, when we've had enough, which usually is after those first several bites, and prevent us from overeating. And I'll admit, it's far harder than it sounds. Many times when I talk to clients about it, it takes weeks and months of practice to fully master it. And the truth is, neither you nor I, definitely not me, we probably won't eat every single bite for the rest of our life mindfully, and that's okay too. But just focusing on when we're enjoying those special holiday treats, slowing down, truly savoring the flavors, this can help us not overindulge. Strategy number three, I'll bet some of you guessed it, is to stay hydrated because dehydration can masquerade for hunger. And if you're dehydrated and your body thinks you're hungry and then there's a huge buffet of holiday cookies right in front of you, what are you going to do? Eat more cookies than your body really wants. So be sure to drink plenty of water during the day, every day, but especially when you have holiday events. This will help us ensure that you're not mistaking your thirst for extra hunger. Extra water is also really important for detoxification if you're having some extra inflammatory foods and extra digestive support as well for some of these treats that might be a little bit more constipating or cause inflammation in our digestive tract, that extra water will help us. Strategy number four is to plan your nourishment ahead your nourishment ahead. Now, let's face it, it can be really hard to get in enough vegetables and protein on holidays. And it's very tempting to many people to go starving to a holiday meal, but I think that's rarely the answer. We think we're, quote, saving calories leading up to the holiday meal, but that usually ends up backfiring. So what I suggest is planning ahead to figure out how you'll get in the nourishment, even on busy holidays. Maybe you can keep a breakfast casserole full of eggs and veggies in your fridge so it's easy to grab a healthy breakfast, even in the hustle and bustle of a holiday. Or maybe you can front load your day with a veggie and protein rich smoothie before heading out for holiday festivities. Planning this nourishment in advance, where are you going to get your nutrients? Where are you going to get your veggies, your protein, your fiber, all of this stuff? This can be super helpful during the holidays. And then when we get to the meal with our nutrient stores on board, we'll be less likely to overdo it and to feel icky later. Plus, our metabolism is going to operate more efficiently when we have those on board, which is great. Strategy number five is to incorporate some healthier ingredients. When you're baking or cooking for the holidays, try to find some healthy swaps. You can use uh, natural sweeteners like honey or maple syrup or monk fruit or stevia instead of your refined sugar. You can maybe try coconut flour instead of white flour or add some pureed fruits and vegetables for moisture and some nutrients in your recipes. I like to add some extra vegetables 
vegetable-heavy side dishes to holiday meals. In fact, I have a whole blog post of some favorite healthier Thanksgiving recipes, which I'll include in the show notes as well. Strategy number six is to follow the one-third of the plate strategy. Those of you who have been around the lion's share for a whole lot of years have maybe remember this. I, I believe it came out in 2017, and lots of you have used it since then. Now, on normal days, I like to fill half my plate with veggies, but for a holiday meal, I use this one-third of the plate strategy. I put one-third or more, but one-third at least of my plate, I fill that with vegetables. So I really love roasted Brussels sprouts with apples and walnuts. Those flavors are amazing on the holidays or some herby green beans maybe or a fall salad with some delicata squash and pomegranate. All those rich, abundant flavors are great and give me some extra nutrients and fiber. And then the next third of my plate, I fill with protein. I'm a turkey girl personally, but whatever protein floats your boat is great. Just get in some protein on that one third of the plate. And then finally, I put everything else that I want to enjoy on the last third of the plate. This helps ensure that I really get to enjoy what's most important to me, but it prevents me from that icky feeling of overeating on the less nutrient-rich foods and just feeling too full at the end of the day. So many of you have heard me use this example before when it comes to Thanksgiving, but rolls have never been my thing. I just don't love rolls, but it's very common for people to say, oh, well, rolls are a Thanksgiving thing, so throw a roll on your plate. I would much rather have some sweet potato casserole in my personal um, uh, one-third of the plate. And so if I fill that with sweet potato casserole or whatever else and a roll doesn't fit, great. That's no harm, no foul to me. I'm not missing out. I get to enjoy what I want, but using that one-third of the plate helps me really prioritize. And then if I do want to go back for seconds, I still follow that one-third of the plate strategy. Strategy number seven is to stay active. The holiday season is not a reason to stay stagnant. In fact, some more time off of work might be, mean even more time to be active. If you have to or you want to, skip your regular exercise routine. That's okay. But in that case, find something you love to do. Go on a family walk to look at lights that are popping up, holiday lights, or treat yourself to a golf game or call a friend for a pickleball match or have a competition to see who can rake a bigger pile of leaves or have a family dance off. Whatever you want to do is great. That physical activity, it's not just about burning the calories, but it actually helps us manage stress and improve our mood. And this will make it easier to make better food choices. Strategy number eight is to practice self-compassion. It's so important to remember that enjoying holiday treats is part of the season. If you find yourself overindulging on one occasion, don't be too hard on yourself. It's just one day. Just focus on resetting your mentality the next day. Get back on track with your health goals and really focus on fueling your body very well. I always tell my clients it's a holiday. It's not a hollow week. It's not a hollow month. It's not a hollow between Halloween and January 1st. It's a holiday. And one day will never make someone an unhealthy person. Same thing as one day will never make someone a healthy person, honestly. It's what we do most days that matters. So don't stress about a few extra treats here and there. Just stay committed to what makes you feel great in the long run. And that finally brings us to strategy number nine, seek support and accountability. 
Consider calling up a friend or family member to be your informal accountability partner during the holidays. Sharing your goals and your challenges and your progress with someone else can help you stay motivated through this holiday season. So enlist a friend, bring them on board. They'll feel better too. Overall, the holiday season is such a special time, and I want you to go through it enjoying every moment without derailing your health goals. So think about now which one of these strategies or which two or which nine of these strategies you want to commit to and give yourself the gift of making this happen. Balancing your health with these enjoying these really special moments and these special treats, but not forgetting about your health goals. This is the biggest gift you can give to yourself this season. I hope you enjoyed these tips, my friends. And one more time, happy holidays. Listen up friends, because I'm about to ask you for a favor that I really care about, and that can be so much fun for all of us. Now, you may have noticed if you've been a client or you've been listening to the podcast or been in a group program that I'm really not the best at asking for testimonials. And you all share so many amazing transformations with me, but I don't share them as much as I could. But this November, I have a fun way to collect some testimonials that I'm making into like a win-win-win. Here's the deal. If you go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Lions, thank you, L-Y-O-N-S, thank you, T-H-A-N-K-Y-O-U, all lowercase, the link is in the show notes, you'll just answer a super quick survey. If you're a fast typer, you can do this in 60 seconds. There's really only one question, which is to share a success that you've had with help from the lion's share in any way. One-to-one support, lab testing, group programs, podcasts, blogs, social media, presentations, you name it. Anything goes and no success is too small. If you're drinking more water, I totally want to hear it. If you fit into your pre-baby pants, I totally want to hear it. If your digestive issues are a thing of the past, I definitely want to hear it. If you've healed your emotional relationship with your body and your food, I certainly want to hear it. And to thank you for thanking me, I want to thank you again. For every person who submits a testimonial of any kind, I will donate $5 to a charity of your choice. I've been sourcing some suggestions for charities on Instagram, so you'll get to select from a list of options at the end of the survey. Simple. You just write one sentence, I donate $5, boom. I am really hoping to get up to a $1,000 donation from the lion's share by Thanksgiving, and you can help me make that happen. And I'll be totally honest, you're helping me in many ways. It does boost my business, but it really means a lot to me personally. This job can honestly feel a little lonely sometimes, and there's no boss to give me feedback to tell me if I'm doing well. I speak the podcast into a blank screen, and while I kind of know you're listening because I see the numbers of the downloads, I really don't get to hear from you. So please, help me by celebrating yourselves and let's help the world together. Just go to bit.ly slash lions thank you, all lowercase, the link is in the show notes. Go right now so you don't forget.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the Lion Share website.